You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 40 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? Yeah, Brendan, I'm, I'm good. We're, uh, we're here. This is our first episode doing video. We talked about it for a while. We wanted to do it for a while. We just couldn't work logistically with you in Colorado on that, uh, that bush internet. And, uh, you know, I've been away as well. So we, here we are in the new year. This is our second episode of, of January, right? Happy New Year. Yes, it is. But you didn't tell me how you were doing. Did you say you were good? Because oh, I'm yeah, doing I'm great. And it's... <laughs> What's whoop, that? We just opened a, we opened a pack of Everfest. And this is being recorded on the 12th. So this is before, like, any spoilers. And man, was that fun. That was really cool. Um, what a tease. I'm super <laughs> excited. What a tease. I feel like we got, you know... Oh, we got a really good, yeah, I mean, some people, they, like, usually we just get, like, a card, a spoiler here, a spoiler there, we got a full pack, it was sick, oh, man, yeah. can't wait for everybody else to see, and the packaging looks and feels and functions, fantastic. Yeah. Well, anyway. That one you can definitely talk pa- about, just can't talk about the contents yet, but we, we have a, we'll, we've been asked to, we, we make a clip, we'll put a clip together of it anyway, and depending on what's shown beforehand, we'll, we'll put on time in the round as well, as soon as we can show it, as we're allowed to. <laughs> yeah, for sure also if you no i'm kidding i was gonna say if you're a content creator hit me up show me your pack uh but the past 48 hours have been a big shakeup for flash and blood so this week we're hitting the battle stations and discussing the latest and a restricted update the errata to briar and the impact that these announcements will have on the immediate and long term of the game we have a few updates to bring on arsenal pass and some announcements of our own channel but first off hayden talk to me about your week in flesh and blood yeah, my week in flesh and blood. Look, it's been nose to the grindstone, really. Nationals is next weekend. So <clears throat> for me, it's Thursday. We're well, eight, eight and a bit days away now from Nationals. And yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. Just trying to be getting, just trying to get in as much testing as possible for Classic Constructed. Uh, drafts here and there where I can as well. Did two drafts over the weekend. And then, yeah, just played a lot of Classic Constructed. Um, mostly testing with Dan at this point because he also has his Nationals. And then contributions from the team were available. Just trying to pretty solidified on the list now. I think the list is pretty pretty locked in. There's probably a few a few cards that are um, debatable that we're trying to work through with some matchup plans. But yeah, it's just been it's been a crazy week. And next week, this kind of next seven days, I'm sure will be a lot of testing as well. Trying to make as much time as possible to just, just I guess shore up a few things, ready for nationals. Really wanna I really wanna do well at nationals. So. Well, that's convenient because you're going to win. Um, try. So on <laughs> on my end, uh, I've been playing less Flesh and Blood because my schedule has actually sort of changed. It's been a bit hard. You know, it's very hard, actually, extremely hard for me to make the morning sessions now. But I'm going to be curating some afternoon and evening sessions. And I think that our team or group, whatever you want to call it, uh, is... Can- developed to the point where we can work asynchronously um we all kind of know the process we you know we kind of moved to a a a version of that recently where hayden and dan would be on quite a bit earlier than us they would meet us kind of right before uh, the americans hopped on and you know sometimes we get a little chat but ultimately we knew how to sort of manage what we needed to get done from an asynchronous uh schedule and then you know develop 
information that would be useful to the entire group. So moving forward with that, I think we'll be able to schedule some afternoon sessions and keep me back onto my daily testing. Um, Just play some fab. Yeah, other than that, <laughs> yeah, get, get some fab. But Hayden, this week's news is, um, well, some could say it's breaking news. Yeah, I mean, top of the list, and we're going to be discussing it in this episode, but the update to the banner-restricted uh, list and an errata, which has come earlier than scheduled. So the original ban update was scheduled for, I think, start of Feb. So FFS timing has been brought forward, but it's going to be excluding New Zealand and Australian nationals. So the changes we have, Underrun and Ball Lightning are banned in Class Constructed. Dust Blade is banned in Blitz. And there's been an errata, functional errata to Briar, now limit to once per turn with the Earth uh, embodiment. So the first time you would deal damage, an attack action you control would deal damage, then you create an embodiment of Earth. No subsequent embodiments of Earth. So some pretty big changes there. Uh, we're going to dive into that for the details we get into the pod, but that's um, happened in the last 24 hours since we're kind of recording. Happened, yeah, not not long ago now, and it's it's a big shakeup, right? It's going to be a big change. Yes, but in classic fashion, we would jump the gun and talk about it during the news, but we're going to leave it for the actual pod this time. But restrained uh, of you. Yeah, I know. Usually I'm the one who comes in and is like, well, here's what I think. Uh, but yeah, that is, we, we do have an entire podcast devoted to True. that topic alone. So, spoilers. Uh, Brendan said we just opened a, a pack of Everfest, which is awesome. So cool to be able to do and excited to share that with everyone. But we're already starting to see some spoilers. So we've, of course, had uh, the Life of the Party and uh, Valda, so our first hit new hero as well. And now... One for Brendan. What an ice wizard. Uh, how, how are we saying this? How, how are we pronouncing this hero? Oh, man, we got to do this one again. Slander? I think it's, um, it's Slander. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Slander. What did you think it was? You were like, I just I thought, thought it was like Islander. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Islander, yeah. It's just a posh way of writing Islander. Um, no, it looks sweet. Uh, so ice wizard, 18 health, and yeah. hero ability is you can play blue pitch cards, blue stripe cards from your arsenal during your opponent's turn as though they were instants. Obviously a very different take on the wizard class from um, its its counterpart, Kano. Like, if you go read their article, they mention some cards that, you know, could be featured in this deck, and it it all looks very exciting to me. I remember when I first saw this, um, the spoiler, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this just gets dunked on by Dustblade, but turns out it's not going to (laughs) matter. Um... Looks really cool. I'm excited. I mean, this is going to be a totally different take, right? It's going to be very different. I think we imme- the immediate place the mind goes to is thinking about some sort of control deck. Mm-hmm. But I could easily see there being some <laughs> kind of way where this ends up being like a normal wizard deck and just exploits the that arsenal clause, right? Um, I think that during spoiler season, we all kind of see a card and what it's, it's face up or top level design is really trying to do. And we immediately go there. So we're like control deck. And then sometimes it turns out you can just throw a bunch of the stuff that you usually throw in it or generics. And it, that's really where it's most powerful. So a lot to explore with this class. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited. There is a, there's a funny thing going on with her where it's a, it's sort of a blue card matters, right? Which is cool, right? Because, you know, in Kano, the blues are pretty much resource cards. I really would have, honestly, I know it's not on theme, but I kind of wish it was a, a yellow strip matters because yellow cards in Wizard are, they're actually paperweights. Like, they don't, I don't, those cards are not playing. <laughs> well, some, but they're, they're supers and majestics, aren't they? 
Yes, they're all super resilient. Like, what cycle card is like actively playing? There really isn't one. It's crazy. Yeah, but maybe they should be. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's just you know sort of deck building hasn't evolved to that point. You know, we haven't had a, the right format to play nine Aether Flare dot deck. Who who knows? Um, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's um, I think it's really interesting when you take back take a step back and look at it. The the fact that when Tales of Ira came out, we had all these ice blue ice cards, you know, Channel Lake Frigid, Blizzard. It was like, oh, these are interesting. Like, cool that their blue pitch makes sense with the old time. And now you've got new Ice Wizard here as well that cares about blue pitch. And you have these ice cards that are already here available uh, to slot right in immediately. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this a lot with Flesh and Blood being sort of a role playing esque game where you can kind of pick your hero or your class that you identify with. And a majority of the player base, I believe, does do that, right? Like, that is a big pull of the game. Um, we sort of maybe don't acknowledge it enough as from our point of view or our take, but I think if there was one class that I um, share that sentiment with, it definitely is Wizards. So I'm I'm very excited for this, and I did see Card Market post on Twitter that there wouldn't be an adult version, and I have to say it was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, Brennan's uh, still in mourning. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, awesome. and we, we also have uh, a card that's been designed by the Village people. Uh, we have Macho Grande, which is a Guardian 7-cost uh, attack action at red attacks for 10, and ha- has Dominate. So there's a cycle of this. What's your thoughts on, on this card? Um, I'm not too sure, right? Like, it's it's interesting. Blue seems good. Yeah, I mean, the blue it definitely seems very good in that sense. I know when you said Macho Grande, I thought you were talking about the local... Um, the local taco place or something. I was like, I was so confused for a second. I was here like macho grande. I was like, what? Uh, but obviously it's the spoiler. It looks really cool. And I'm really excited that, you know, we're getting um, pieces like this. What is your take being kind of the resident expert in that area? Am I? Well, we're in trouble. Most certainly. Um, no, I think it's, uh, it's cool to see dominate come in. So dominate we've seen as a mechanic for guardians from Bravo, right? Like that's where it's come mm-hmm. through. Now we have, you know, Velda and, all time uh two more guardians one young uh one young and adult that don't have the access to dominate like we have so they can play cards like you know emerging dominance um but that's kind of some of the only ways they can really get dominate so to have cards that have dominate printed on them in guardian is quite a cool thing where it's like okay so all of these could be all these heroes could play this card how does it interact with each of them well bravo has access to give you know something like disable dominate which is has one less attack than these but has a really uh, big upside versus in the other two heroes where they don't have access to that so i, I think we're going to see potentially all of the colors played across different heroes in different ways which um it looks the card looks innocuous on the surface like okay there's this big attack with dominate but actually the design space of it's quite interesting so yeah i'm i think blue probably slots into some of these decks immediately and then we'll see if red maybe gets played as well or i want to go back and revisit uh these aura decks and maybe this is a that plays with those decks we'll see absolutely the undiscovered archetype so i want to mention something that we're doing on friday that i am probably i mean i'm very very excited about it i was going to say more excited than i've ever been but i am extremely excited so we are hosting a twitter spaces on friday at 6 p.m central u.s time and Zach Bunn will be joining us, but I don't know if you've used Twitter Spaces before. The way it works is, let's say you're on your phone, you're you're on Twitter. If you're at the top, you'll see it. If you're following Arsenal Pass, myself, Hayden, or Zach, you'll see it. It'll pop up. You just click it. You join the room. 
it's like a, an app called Clubhouse. It's also like that. There's probably some other Hangout apps. But basically, you can listen in, um, but you can also request to come on stage, and you can raise your hand and do all this kind of stuff, and we can have an actually like an interactive conversation with the community. And I'm super excited. So we're going to be talking about everything, right? Like we're going to be talking about spoilers, um, bands, blitz, or anything anybody wants to bring up. You know, <laughs> the floor is yours. I'm really excited. And I uh, thank you so much to Zach from Team Cotton for joining us. One of my favorite people in the world. So it's surely to be good. Starting at 6 p.m. Central Time, probably going for an hour. But knowing Mr. Zach Bunn, we will probably go later. Yeah, I'm trying to convert that for anyone else around the world who wants to jump in and join. So that's Saturday, my time. I think it's, is it 6 p.m. for you right now? It is 6.11 p.m. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's 11 a.m. Uh, Australian time, Australian Eastern time. That's 1 p.m. in New Zealand. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something that uh, Brendan brought up to me. I know nothing about, uh, but it sounds kind of town hall style and it sounds cool and, and I'm real into it. And I'm excited to just, you know, have this forum to discuss with someone that we we really like in the form of zach but also with uh with people from our community as well who probably have some thoughts about what's what's to come with everfest spoiler season so yep. yeah to it. with that said uh just a couple other notes in the news it looks like we're going to get an op announcement possibly next week um so i don't know if anyone saw this but last week Bad TCG, or actually, sorry, start of the week with everyone back in the office, I guess they've uh, published sort of welcome to 2022 sort of uh, it's like a gateway article, I guess, with a lot of uh, pieces around the OP uh, events coming up, feel to welcome to Wraith, how to find events, things like that. And in James White's article prior to Christmas, he'd say that mid-January, we're likely to find out more about the OP announcement. And this feels like they've set up this article and there's a few things in place now. And it sounds like it looks like we're going to get it very soon. We're going to understand what the you know beyond the ProQuest season, which is all we kind of know about right now. What are we getting? Are we getting another skirmish season? Uh, when are we getting the first Pro Tours? What callings are happening for Q1 and Q2? So yeah, I'm really excited to see what we get. And it looks like you know in the next week or so we're gonna have some some announcements. Dude, I can barely contain myself. I feel like for the last month it's just been you know it's waiting, been waiting, waiting, right? And then it's like boom, spoilers. OP announcement, bannings. I just, oh, oh, it's too much, right? Like in a good way. It's just, it's also good. Cool. I mean, I feel like we're kind of back, back in the glory days. <laughs> hey, imagine if you were also testing for nationals at the same time. It's been, a, it's been a pretty busy time. Been no downtime. I would say that would make it minorly stressful for right when right now for me, I'm just, I'm just in bliss. I'll say, but you're gonna win nationals, and I can't. That's gonna be an amazing. <laughs> this is gonna date well. Australian national champion currently on the call. Oh man, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the banning from such an accredited person um, in the competitive. I'm gonna community. do my best. I definitely have the goal of, <laughs> of winning nationals, but um, you know, it's gonna be there's there's a lot of good players, and uh, this format is interesting. I think there's a lot of openness to this format as well, so it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be a tough event. But I, I feel like in the prep work, so ready for it. Anyway, moving on to some other things that are happening. So farewell, welcome to Wraith. Uh, these events are happening in a couple of weeks' time. Last week of January. These are local store events. We've talked about it a little bit, but if you haven't heard about them, you can check them out on fabtcg.com. Uh, you can, there's an event located there, but, but honestly, just reach out to your local stores. I know for, for me, some of our local stores just haven't even put up their events. Um, they just, you know, start of January, it's slow to get back into things. So definitely you can find those on Event Finder and then contact your store. But yeah, you can uh, get yourself a cold foil Welcome to Wraith Hero, Young Hero, which is awesome. And you get to draft some Welcome to Wraith before it sort of sunsets out. And on that note, as well, we do have some videos up on the channel for Welcome to Wraith Limited. If you're interested, maybe you haven't played it before, it's going to be the first time. We've got a few gameplay videos up. 
We do also have a Welcome to Wraith 101 draft guide video going up uh, by the time the pod drops. I think it's either already up or it's about to go up within 12 hours time. So that's awesome. Um, and then it's up made on- made by a, a Welcome to Wraith Calling Limited champion as well. So I who do- better to get your advice from? Yeah, so um, Isaac Olsen <laughs> did do those videos for us. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, uh, those those videos are available. There's also a, a one for each hero as well, which I intended to be sort of like five or six minute videos have ended up being a little bit longer, um, but do talk about all the draft archetypes for each of those heroes. I got a bit passionate about them, um, but you know, there's a all you can watch one of those videos and you can go in and draft Guardian and draft OTK Guardian. You can go and draft, you know, Big Crush, Go Tall Guardian. You can draft Control Guardian uh, with what we've kind of put together. So, did you include that uh, the archetype uh, Yellow Bella? <laughs> No, I think I left that one out. <laughs> yeah, Yellow Bell was in there. The one draft archetype that Brennan does love. Um, yeah, it's just the only one I know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, I guess this is kind of moving, transitioning out of the news into some announcements for ourselves, for the channel. Um, this is kind of where we usually do the Command and, Con- Command and, Cook- Ugh, Command and Cookout section. But first of all, Want to give a bit of an update on the channel and some things content-wise that we're working on, and just to give an update to our you know amazing listeners, our viewers, our community. Really, um, got a few things to say, Brennan. So, just want to give a bit of background to kind of the changes we're making to the channel um, and why we're doing things. So, I guess when we when we started the pod, right, Brennan, it was about the pod it was it was literally the pod that's why we started arsenal pass it was okay we want to we feel like there's a space to to uh share content share our ideas our thoughts on the game help people understand this game get better at it uh, especially that kind of entry level of the competitive space where people are starting to get into callings and uh road to national season was like on the horizon when we first started the the pod came not long after um we knew there was gonna be more callings and so that's kind of where, where we really started with, with the pod. And then we felt, you know, there was opportunity for us to do things like the gameplay videos um, to showcase matchups and, and interesting decks that maybe don't get the spotlight out there, uh, how to play those. And, and we the big thing we wanted to do is we wanted to talk through our lines, right? That's kind of where we started. Like, let's talk through lines and gameplay and let's go through the games and do it. And then that kind of evolved into deck guides about the decks we played. Obviously, that started with, like, the, the Road to Nationals winning chain list, the the Skirmish Wizard list, um, the Katsu list, a few different deck techs and, and guides that we've done. And then time in the round as well, which has been an awesome sort of ability for us to originally just discuss the game and the history of the game, but now to interact and bring on that community members, um, players that are, you know, in the sort of, I guess, quote unquote professional players as we head into the Pro Tour season, um, community members, and just people that we want to talk to and think are interesting and, and have stuff to say about this game that we love. And all through this, we've wanted to keep our content as high quality as possible, like Production value has been something we've always talked about. We don't want to do stuff for the sake of doing it. We don't want to do it sort of half-assed. We want to make sure that it's done well. So a lot of time and effort goes into that. Um, and it is it is a lot of time and effort, right, Brennan? Like it, it has taken, I think we've loved it, but Arsenal Pass takes up a lot of our time. Yeah, and I think that we have continuously kind of committed to doing more and more, right, as we've found either new mediums or just new topics that I like to cover yep. that, you know, you can see that through time of the round. And then it was also through deck text, through certain types of videos, you know, at least a gameplay every week, but also covering blitz, limited, constructed, and also covering decks that 
you know, maybe we had to practice with a lot to kind of feel comfortable playing or bringing to the channel, um, especially in regards to the deck text, right? Because initially, you know, for example, with the Kato deck or with the chain deck, like those were decks that we had personally put a lot, a lot of, of effort. Yeah, a lot of time, effort and passion into. And, it, you know, it's it's very natural and easy to kind of present that to people and give it to them. And, you know, I genuinely think that that's, that's kind of the best version that's out there at this point. Well, the ones that came after that, I do think were very good decks and we worked very hard at them. There is, there's just a difference, right? There's a difference between showing you kind of the deck that I've been working on and you know pushing to be competitive with for months and months and months, and I know inside and out, versus bringing bring everybody a new deck for a hero that I don't play so much um, that I've also kind of learned within the last month. Well, I do think that that content that content was very valuable to people and a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, for me. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't as fun to make as something like, you know, the chain or specifically like the Kano deck. Like that's really where my passion was. Yeah. And I think for me, I play more heroes than, than Brennan does. I think I, I tinker around with a lot more things. So for me, it feels a bit more natural. But at the same time, um, one of the things we've, we never really wanted to do, like we, we're players first, right? I think that's been our point of differentiation with, um, with when we started this pod is that we've always said, and I think we've been pretty open and honest about it, is that we are players making um you know sharing our experiences and sharing our insight for other players it's we don't really see ourselves as content creators first and foremost i don't think that's never what we've kind of seen so and i think the development of what we've done with the channel you know we have you know every week we're delivering a gameplay video every week we have time in the round we have our deck guides once a month minimum often twice a month uh, plus other things that come up of course the pod every week that uh, rigidity i think is probably we haven't been able to um, keep to the sort of things that we want to as much as possible so I mean, long and short of it, we're, we're just going to be making some changes, to be honest, um, that fit more with who we are as as Arsenal Pass, who me and Brendan are as players. And to be honest, to reduce our, our stress levels uh, in our lives, both sure. me and Brendan are very, very busy with you know our careers. And, um, you know, we, we do try and have personal lives as well. <laughs> we try. And um, having this, I guess, schedule or rigidity of content when, you know, we might be traveling or... Uh, for fab or things are going on is is really difficult especially if we feel pressured to to make content that we're not as passionate about um or you know share deck guides that maybe we don't we don't feel like Brendan talked about it's not a, it's not our kano deck that he spent three months playing 100 games in the space of two weeks or whatever it is it's um it's a bit different so yeah basically we're gonna make some changes the pod is gonna stay as is the pod is our it is arsenal pass it is what we're so passionate about doing and, and sharing this and you notice now we're on video as we say um, so you can see our, our ugly mugs uh, and and uh, Brennan's enrollment here. Um, <laughs> people are going to think that the Arsenal Pass channel is changing because you're off to the army. It's not true. Uh, Brennan has not enlisted, but we 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 are making some changes. So in terms of our deck guides, um, we are still going to do these, especially on the decks that we play in events. If I have nationals coming up next weekend, I will be we will be doing a video about that, and we will share the deck guide for that video and the sideboard plan and all that uh, good stuff will still be there. But when we're, what we're saying is we're not going to commit to those at any given time. Um, we're not going to say we're going to do those at X given time. Same with our gameplays. When we want to play gameplays or games and we want to share decks or matchups that we find really interesting, we will be doing that. We still want to do those. But, you know, over Christmas, it was a bit of a lull time. We we made some videos on Welcome to Wraith, which was really fun and cool. Uh, but I think it's like, fun. yeah, it's really fun. But there's less necessity to do that or to play Blitz games that maybe we, we uh, aren't as passionate about. So... Gameplays will still be there. They just won't be each and every week. Um, I think probably if I had to guess, we're probably still going to be uh, playing a couple of games each month. And especially around 
new formats and things like that, we'll be playing a lot more. I imagine when Everfest comes, we're going to be playing a lot of games. So, uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, what Hayden, uh, what you said there kind of sums up um, all of the changes, right? Is that we're going to be, outside of the podcast, uh, we will be moving towards doing content um, on demand, right? Kind of as we want to, as as it's relevant, right? Like when there's a lull period, we may take some time off kind of like the rest of the community does rather than maintaining that kind of weekly schedule and maybe pumping out videos just for the sake of pumping them out, which is not what we were trying to do before, but maybe it was kind of how it started to feel. So while there still will be a lot of content on YouTube, um, it just won't be scheduled kind of how, like it has been for the past few months. Yeah. And um, I just kind of want to wrap this up. We want to talk about Patreon quickly as well, but um it's been a bit of like a harder decision for me to make, I think, to just say that we want to stop being scheduled with things because it does feel a little bit selfish for me in some ways. But also, I actually think it's the best for the content that we make. We want to keep it as high quality as possible. And first and foremost, um, we love sharing, you know, our thoughts and discussing and interacting with our community and our Arsenal Pass listeners and viewers. And, and that doesn't change. Um, I think we just take away some of the stress of feeling like we have to do content for the sake of doing it. And we just we just don't want to be doing that. We don't think it's a we think it's doing a disservice to our community as well. So. Um, that's kind of the the big driving behind the behind the change. We want to still want to give as much value as possible with every piece of content that we make, um, so that people can go away and take something from it. And uh, that's not going to change. It's just going to be in a format that we feel is is more conducive and it allows us a bit more time to do things that we want to do, like um, like the Twitter Spaces that we're doing on on the weekend on Friday. Sorry, on my weekend, <laughs> Brendan's Friday, mm-hmm. which allows yeah. us to bring you know someone like a Zach Barnett and have a conversation about a really pertinent topic, as opposed to maybe having scheduled a gameplay for that day that we, we don't necessarily think is, uh, is important right now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But Brendan, last thing I want to talk about is just some changes we're going to make to our Patreon online with us. Um, don't need to talk about it too much, but just for our patrons who might want to know and for people who are looking at, at doing it to the Patreon, just so you know, um, we do have currently four tiers. Uh, we're going to do away with our top tier. Um, this was always a supporter tier, to be honest. Uh, it's really, I think we had an additional video once a month. Um, we're going to give that to our i think most most of our tiers now you can check out the patreon to see the, the what's available but basically we're just trying to give more for for less and, and move away that that tier um the deck guides are still going to be available there uh access to our discord is there for all tiers um all tiers get access to our additional podcast each month we're going to do that we love that discussion that we do each month for our our patrons as an additional pod uh and the, the deck guides there and then any additional resources we're actually just going to start throwing up as well um, because patreon is a bit of a platform we can use to kind of put stuff up that we can't put on youtube you know like written guides um uh, i've done a draft guide uh, sorry a draft sort of sheet for nationals for tales of aria that's going to go up in there we've done one for welcome to wraith because that format is awesome and the farewell events are really cool and it's something that we wanted to do so that's going to go up on there um so yeah th- there's we're still going to use as a platform for the things that we want to use it for uh, we just restructured the the tiers a little bit because we um we just want to yeah I just I guess it just doesn't really fit with some of the content that we're making as much anymore. That makes sense. Yeah, and my parting kind of uh, parting word on this would be, you know, we are making these choices not because you know we we don't think the demand is there, we don't think that um, you know it performs well. Like I think it does, and I'm very happy with how the channel progressed throughout 2021, um, and I think it went really well. Um, it's purely being made as a personal choice just because of, you know, time management, commitment, and just overall kind of what Hayden said. We are players first and we want to make content that we're passionate about. Um, and, you know, we're not really interested in kind of having the uh, the 
the formulaic, you know, one video a week, one of this a week. So we'd rather just put out stuff that we really enjoy. We haven't been clickbait enough for that anyway. So <laughs> yeah, we really haven't. You know, if I was going to double down on YouTube stuff, I'd be you know, hanging upside down with my shirt off and it'd be the craziest news that you've ever heard every every video but it's not you know we probably we probably should migrate to that eventually to be honest because we're just playing against the algorithm yeah but that's not us you know it's all right <laughs> it's not it's not you but it might be me that's yeah true. i mean i think this is going to be much more sustainable we're focusing um you know we're doubling down the stuff that we think we're really good at that we enjoy doing like the podcast talking to people whether that's time of the round that's these twitter spaces and doing unique content with you know the deck decks we really enjoy matches that we we like to play that are relevant in the current meta as well as you know just content as it comes like hayden is going to be throwing up these um these welcome to wraith draft guides which is going to be awesome so i think that for a lot of people the youtube won't look like it's changing but we just want to make it really clear because we know some people do follow us for you know some of the weekly videos regular drops and yeah and you know particularly with some of the patreon stuff so we've restructured um how it works over there as well yeah so that is happening from feb just to be clear for anyone who is is there and um the big thing that, and I want to say thank you to everyone who supported us and continues to support us. One of the, the big things that actually the Patreon has allowed us to do is we, we have an editor. So we have someone who edits our videos for us that allows us to have like those card overlays. And, you know, when Brendan tanks for 10 minutes, we don't have to have those in the videos and we can have a nice montage instead. And um, <laughs> we have a community manager who's amazing, who helps us with with some of the stuff and, and making sure that things get seen, you know, that um, comments and questions get seen and and that we can um, spend time, you know, interacting and doing the important stuff, you know, to be honest, um, the stuff that we we love to do. So, yeah, that has continued to, to allow us to do that. So just want to say thank you to all of our supporters again and just, just everyone who listens and, and watches to um, watches the pod in our videos. Anyway, we, that's, that's enough about that. That's uh, yeah. I mean, we wrap it up with pretty much nothing is changing, right? You won't really know. You won't really notice anything, but just making it clear in case. But Hayden, we've uh, sure. we've definitely rambled way too long. Let's go ahead and head in. Do we have a commander cookout? We do have today? a commander cookout. It- yeah, we do. We do. do you- is all paprika on the grill? What is that? It's burning, Hayden. It's burning. You gotta it's- you gotta take it off. What's on there? It's mayonnaise, dude. Calm down. Uh- <laughs> We've got a question that's come through our Discord. One of my favorite things about having our um, our community discount for our patrons now, our patrons now, is this ability to just have like questions whenever we want and people to drop stuff in. So we have a question from um, Toasty, uh, who says, "My question is about the large number of heroes in the game and people being attached to specific ones. In Flesh and Blood, it's easy to have a favorite hero, and many people might not want to switch heroes in order to play something viable in a meta." Do you think it's possible to support everyone's main as time goes on or should people maybe shift their expectations and try to dedicate themselves to something like a class uh, as a whole instead of hoping for one hero to be strong enough? Really relevant right now with Everfest, I think. A lot of questions in that question too. Well, the, the main question is, should people be attached to a single hero or should they be more focused on classes so that they can have more ability to be competitive within a meta and maybe have more enjoyment maybe as well because you're just... 100%. Yeah contextual based off what you're trying to achieve um i think that if you're trying to achieve anything less than competing at the absolute highest level this game is so incredibly well designed and balanced that everything does feel competitive and reasonable to play um at most levels right and that's what i really love about the game like we joke about azalea a lot we joke about kano a lot but I mean, I love Kano. Kano is my favorite deck, like yeah. by far, and I love to play it. And I play it at local events, at armories, or when we're just we're like when we're testing, when we're going deep on testing and testing every day, and it gets tired. 
we will take a break with a Kano game. So I think that you can absolutely um, have that one hero, that one class that you identify with and really specialize in it. Uh, there's another part of this question, which is, I think we've answered before, is like, should this, should this, is this what you should be doing, you know, if you're trying to win a world championship, right? And maybe not. <laughs> but other than that, I think that you can have tons of enjoyment, be very competitive. And, you know, I think you're going to ultimately have more, have more fun overall if you're playing the classes you enjoy. I think contextual is the right is the right word. It's so it depends. It so depends on what you want to get out of this game, and so you can take it a few different ways. You talked about like competitiveness. You talked about like maybe it's just showing up to your armory and being able to win some games in the, any given meta. Maybe it's just about fun, to be honest. And I would say that for all those reasons, I actually think having an identity with a class more than a hero is probably it's a bit more beneficial. Except for one thing which is if you really identify with how a hero operates in terms of like either like the lore of that hero or the the uh, hero ability that that hero holds or the specific way that a deck plays because of that hero, that's also fine. Like that is more than okay. But I think it's understanding that as, as a player who's attached to that hero, you're going to have limitations and you're going to have some pretty stringent limitations on what that hero can and cannot do for the remainder probably of the life of that hero because uh, Toasty asked about, you know, should... Um, should there be support for all these people who want to main single heroes? I think to a degree, but there's wedges of design. There's design spaces that certain heroes can occupy and explore, and classes expand that a little bit. But if you're open to a couple of classes or a couple of heroes, you get to see a lot more of that uh, design space and, and play experience. And I think having a, a main hero can be great. I think it can be really awesome, especially whether you want to be competitive, semi-competitive, like ultra-competitive, whatever it is. I think having a main one particular hero as a main can actually be really beneficial, but I think you then want to open yourself up to at least maybe one or two others. Um, and probably, to be honest, I'd say even if you just want to play at home, I would do the same because you're less focused on maybe needing legendaries and stuff like this. You can just build the decks you want, play play commoner or pauper or whatever those formats are that are kind of equivalent um, that are kind of coming up around uh, this game, which is awesome to see. And just explore the other heroes, enjoy the design space that's there. And then when you know, when you you're bored like Brennan says, go back to Kano and, and play a hundred more games. Yep, one hundred percent. I think that uh to kind of go off Hayden's point there, I think that if you do limit yourself to one class, um, in my this is my personal opinion, I do think that you are missing out on some of um some of the beautiful parts of Flesh and Blood, which is the you know, kind of uh, diversity in class design, how, how unique things can feel. It's, it's really fun to, you know, play yep. everything in my opinion. Oh, play, play some things, you know, I even had fun playing a lot of Azalea for a while. And then, you know, that was, I was kind of done with that and let's move to something else. And that's a big part of the game for me. And I don't know for some people it's not going to be, they're just going to be like, identify with something in particular. It's like people who play like, um mobas right and they just play one hero and that's fine right if you you identify with a hero specifically and you want to hone your skill on that hero then do it um but you know at some point you might want a different experience and play something else why not yes we gave we gave you the classic yes no answer but i last thing i'll (laughs) say last thing i'll say because toasty did ask about like design for those and should we service them um Mm. to a degree so if it's about the competitive space I, i don't think there's a there's a um an obligation from LSS to make sure that every hero can compete in every single meta. I, I definitely not. That that wouldn't be fun in my eyes. So I think, yeah, it'd be great if all heroes can at some point have something going for them. They can experience something at some point. Um, but you know what? If Azalea never ends up being tier one, 
kind of is what it is, right? But there's another ranger there to slide into with Lexi and you can, you know, there's some similarities there in design space and experience of the game. 100%. If you want to get a question right. of the Commander Cookout, <laughs> you can, <laughs> if you want to get a question of the Commander Cookout, you can drop a, a question in the YouTube comments. You can send it to us. You can add us on Twitter, DM us, um, you know, whatever way you want to get it to us, please do. Morse code, whatever it is, we got it. We Tap on everything. Brendan's window. Yeah, you wouldn't be the first. Um, so finally, into the main talk of the pod, the biggest news that I would argue the biggest news that has ever hit flesh and blood um, newsreels in terms of balance and effect on the game. This is massive. We've seen so many bands, not, not so many bands, we've seen more bands than I expected in the past, and they... You know, they've had an impact. They've been more narrow in their selection. Um, but this new wave, hey, and this new wave, this is a this is a different flesh and blood. We've got a got a big band wave here. We we're hitting generics, we're hitting class cards, we're eroding. Give me your thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean usually this is weird because usually the main topic is kind of my space to introduce and, and take us through. Brennan, this is this is your time to shine. So. <laughs> Flipping on them. Let's right? let's let's start with the errata. I think is is an easy place to start because it's something that's we've seen bannings before. We saw drone and brutality ban. We saw seeds banned. Um, but this is this is pretty unprecedented, right? Like this is this is an errata, and we we talked heavily about the idea of an errata in our mm. community sort of hot seat pod, and I think in our maybe the pod afterwards as well. We talked again about Bri because we had a question on Rune Blades for the Commander Cookout. So. First of all, the errata. The errata now says that Bri- uh, Briar, just the first time that an attack action deals damage, will you get an embodiment of Earth? After that, no more embodiments of Earth. So the reasoning from LSS was that the idea was to allow you know some flexibility of your two defense non-attack actions to be more playable because they could defend for three. But you know when they're defending for four, five, six, seven, uh, maybe not quite the intent of design or the the realization of how that has ended up working out wasn't quite in line with how LSS thought it might be. So the justification I get, yes. my first thought on the errata is it's still bad for the game. <laughs> Erratas suck, period. And I love LSS and I love my boy Sasha, but erratas are bad for the game. They're not good. They're really inconvenient. They're very confusing to new players. Uh, they're even confusing to not new players. It's one of the most drastic things that you can do, in so. my opinion. So... I yeah, I mean this is this is about as uh you know they they must have thought that the situation was quite dire right like they must have thought that this class um, or this hero never would have been reeled in by any one card or couple card bannings so it's significant um, I want to also expand upon the embodiment of Earth um, aspect especially for the opponent it was not fun to be the opponent because it was bad if you blocked because you would never be able to hit them back, right? If you blocked the whole entire hand, stop the imbalance. But then if you didn't block and you tried to swing back and pivot turn, they now had a uh, non-attack action that could block for like five or six. So it was very anti-pivot turn. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't enjoy that. That being said, back to the errata. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not good, but I do err on the side of optimism and I'm willing to say that if they think it was necessary, I'm okay with it. Although I hope this is not a precedent that is, you know, lightly used in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just explain when I say, I think this is really bad for the game. What I mean is I don't think that the, the changes to Briar is bad for the game. I think we needed something to, to probably happen, uh, especially if Everfest wasn't going to be the balance that maybe 
it could have been or might have people hoped would be then i think we definitely needed that the the my problem with an errata is the actual use of errata in cards i think it's like Brennan said it's really confusing for players coming into the game okay i open up my pack cool there's this hero i'm playing with some friends i'm learning the game and then i go along to my first armory and i've built my briar deck and then you know uh, i chip in all this damage with my like my lightning cards that deal extra arcane damage i'm playing arcana crackles and i've built this cool deck and then my opponent goes oh no you only get one embodiment my token doesn't say what no it's been it's there's a change you have to look online to see it but you only get the, the first token and i i granted that's not going to happen that's not a wide thing that might happen but it's a real feel bad and, and there's a lot of people who are going to be opening this product also impacts limited let's not forget so people going along to draft playing this hero and then you know this is not actually how it how it works and it's just a it's a bit of a feels bad i think and it's it's also a bit of like you've got to manage this within the game so while I think that it's not it's not great, I don't think we should be eradering cards, ideally. If this is the only way to balance Briar going forward, then I guess it needed to be done, and I'm, I can support that. The issue I have is it, I think it does undermine a little bit the Living Legion um, system. Yeah, it's kind of weird, eh? Like, she was progressing towards being living legend and this has like happened twice now where like the the hero was obviously probably going to be living living legend sorry it's a weird thing to say um in an a amount of time that you could predict right like it looked pretty clear and then they just went in and were like i mean with chain obviously they banned seeds and you know now they banned plunder which we'll get into um but with this, it was just like, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit contradictory, right? Like we have this living legend system. It's really clear. It keeps things in check. So they can't maintain dominant dominance, but then we just go ahead and errata it anyway, after it's accumulated all these points, like yep. maybe they just thought that the limited, like I, maybe like limited would have always been plagued by this issue, but we saw Briar being dominant and seal, but then in, in draft like was debatably one of the the weakest the weakest decks in, in tales of warrior draft so it's kind of weird um but yeah there has been multiple decisions with the living legend system that have confused me from a player's perspective like i'm okay with us using that system to keep the game in check i think that it's relatively healthy you know the game might suffer for a little bit but ultimately checks and balances everything corrects and now we're getting kind of this you know, big brother hand where they just come in and they just change it right in the middle, right? And maybe it's necessary. It's maybe it's important for fun, but as a player, it's jarring, right? Because you don't expect something like a a hero text errata when there's you know an inherent system that's going to rotate them out of the the format anyway. Yeah, it's like we have a we have a point in the future and we're heading towards this point, which is a living legend rotation out, and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, the the path gets changed and. I get it. Like, if, if the idea is that they they really needed Briar to function and both for limited and constructed just doesn't function right now, then that's fine. But, yeah, the, the, the idea of a errata... So the seeds ban, kind of whatever, because you're not changing the hero. Chain is chain. Chain is still chain. And if cards get printed that, you know, enable chain to be better in the future, fantastic. But you're actually functionally changing the hero with Briar. I will say the one thing that is good about this errata is that it doesn't it doesn't change it too much so in terms of throttles the power but the feel of the hero is still very much the same which is good but i hope this is kind of a one-time thing i hope this is like lss learning the lesson early and then 
we move forward with the game and um you know we don't need to errata heroes in the future and we let living legends set us start to realize and to happen because we've got this idea of living legend i think it's really cool when do we actually get to see that happen without all the interventions yeah. <laughs> so if i was going to put on my youtube hat right and i was going to do some kind of clickbaity little one-liner it'd be like just pick right it's either living legend or it's you're constantly changing and banning banning and errata and cards like there's either you know, there's either a system that's been developed to keep things in check and you only intervene if it's really bad, right? Or this kind of thing that's happened is going to be normal and consistent, not the errata, but the bannings, right? Like constant oversight from the governing company to change the meta, make it more healthy, whatever they think, right? But then Living Legend is kind of weird in that point. But Living Legend, fundamentally, like, I'm not going to go too deep on this spiel. Living Legend, fundamentally, has just been kind of weird, right? They've changed it multiple times over the past year. I still think that, you know, we're in a weird place with it. I don't even know if we're in the final iteration. But, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, fun. But you know, our final take, and this is going to be ubiquitous between Hayden and I and probably a lot, of, a lot of players, especially people that come from card games. Errata, last last case and like just worst case scenario last thing you do you errata so we're okay with it you know we err on the side of optimism and um believing in the development team of flesh and blood but i hope that this is going to be as close to a one-time thing as possible yeah i feel like i shouldn't have to say this but because there's this real divide in the community of like people uh on sides of fences which i don't really get to be honest um oh tribal tribal human beings yeah never (laughs) it's just like (laughs) And I, I'm just going to say something because I think it, I just want to make it clear. Both Brendan and I want the healthiest iteration of the game possible. And some, some of the decisions we might not agree with in isolation, but if they're to help the longevity of the game and, and the health of the game and the formats, fantastic. I really did want to see... I, do, I don't want Briar to be the best deck. I don't want there to be these heroes that are oppressive. I never want that to happen. I do want there to be heroes that are accessible, easy to play, and to, I guess, um, have certain ways of playing. And that's fine. I think just want to point out in no way, shape or form are we like dedicated Runeblade players who only want Runeblade to be good. I mean, that that's just not true. And I probably don't need to say that for the majority of people, but I do just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if uh, it'd be funny if people think about us that way. Because uh, pe- I mean, people have told me that. People have told me that. Yeah, so that's for why sure. I, I mean, it's just the design of Flesh and Blood has made the... It's like a recency bias to the most uh, to the past metas of Flesh and Blood, which have been Runeblade dominated, which is not on us. It's on them. Uh, we just play decks that we think have the highest chances of winning in awesome. um, competitive events. But, you know, I mean, to kind of close the book on the errata, again, I think I, both of us err way on the side of just believing in anything they do and we're okay with it. But, you know, if we're taking an objective point of view and if we were going to try to um, critique it a bit, yeah, errata shouldn't be happening. Let's not do it again. Let's, for many, the many reasons that we talked about. And, well, functionally it might be a better version of briar that's just more fun for everybody except the people that are knocking on people with briar um i think that it's it's a dangerous tool so it's done i'm okay with it i'm i'm you know i'm excited for the future and i think that you know we can (laughs) we it's i feel like we're breaking up in a relationship we can move on have a healthy relationship healthy flesh and blood uh no but i actually think we can um but yeah i mean (laughs) it is what it is we have an errata (laughs) so before because I really want to ask you like what you think this errata has on the impact of because it's not it's not um errata in isolation you would say is not detrimental to Briar being strong being a good hero 
Oh, we've got some banning. So I want to talk about the bannings first and our thoughts on cards being banned and these cards that have been banned. And then I want to talk about, just in, just in terms of these cards being banned, just for the game in total. And then I want to come back and talk about the classic constructed format and what this means for Briar and as we head into Everfest. Um, so two cards banned, right? We've got all lightning is banned. All, all cycles of all lightning is banned. Uh, and all cycles of plunder run are banned. And this is effective from January 17th, but it excludes... The New Zealand Australian National Championship. So all the testing that people have done will be intact for that. But after that, yeah, everyone is on uh, is on the same wave, and uh, it's happening before Everfest, which is really interesting. But I think that's to you know give people understanding of of what's happening with these things. First of all, all lightning being banned. What's your thoughts? Can I punt this question and zoom us out a bit because I want to get okay. some I want to get us some context on these bands. So. This, this, these set of bannings, and this is outside of the errata, are, in my opinion, unprecedented in flesh and blood history. So if we go through what cards history, have been though. banned, what? <laughs> Sorry, this is just, that's a pretty short history. But yeah. yeah, it's pretty short history. So if we go through what cards have been banned in flesh and blood, they've all been banned for very specific yeah. reasons, right? We have drone of brutality, breaks the fundamental rules of the game, you know, it... <laughs> It doesn't matter. Like literally nothing you do matters. Drone is always there. It's inevitable. Um, and no other card functions like that. Okay. So that gets banned for, it's pretty reasonable. We all kind of expect that one to get banned. Um, then we move forward and we have Seeds of Agony gets banned. Chain was fundamentally very, very consistent and very strong. And one of the cards that really allowed it to do that. Um, we, we talked about it a million times in the podcast, why Seeds of Agony was so good, building Ursa, end games, you know, non-attack action, attack action, swing Nebula Blade. These things were fundamentally so powerful. And Chain was reeled in quite a bit, at least in its consistency, uh, by that banning. And I think we, you know, we potentially saw a healthier format. D- Dustblade. Uh, Legendary Studios comes out, they admit that they did not test this card, and it is fundamentally overpowered and does not belong in what we can see now is the game but at the time the classic constructed format so okay fair enough you know everyone takes it now that's all good now we come to today ball lightning and plunder run plunder run a generic card that is used by ag- aggressive decks by all like by most aggressive decks right it's very co- it's a very common card it's a fundamental card to the aggressive archetype of aggressive but cards. Can- yeah yeah, even the mid-range, right? It's it's so fundamental. And obviously it's its biggest offender right now is Briar, but we see a ban on that. I mean the the ramifications of the Plunder Run ban go definitely far outside Briar, but also Ball Lightning. Ball Lightning as well. Is Ball Lightning really equivalent to the power level of something like Seeds of Agony? Is Briar is what Briar does to an, another player during the game, is it really predicated off the amount of ball lightnings that they play during a game or that they draw during a game? Hmm. I would argue maybe not. It doesn't really feel like seeds. Like it feels quite a bit different. Like ball lightning was an, a very good card in Briar, right? And it was good in combination with other things as well. Like multiple ball lightnings was very good. Ball lightning with sting was very good. Um, and just of course forcing your opponent to block when they don't want to block. And ball lightning can uh, make that make that sort of equation tip in your favor when they're like, oh, it's just coming in for oh three or four or five or whatever multiplicative damage it's doing. Um, this is banning on ball lightning, Hayden. This one surprises me the most. I think we talked about the Plunder Run ban being a potential a for the game, the game's health, but the Ball Lightning didn't see it coming. I actually, because uh, we've talked about it before, like Ball, there, used, there was an endgame sequence that was really consistent against Control. Um, at least initially, that's what I thought. I was a huge proponent of it, especially against Old Time, which was the Sting Sting, blah, 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 whatever. Um, 
but it's actually not very good against old him. It's only good against like niche <laughs> control decks, uh, kind of like yeah. control Bravo, right? Which doesn't really exist because. So, I don't think that ball like the ball lightning uh, ban really surprises me, Hayden. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, what are your take. So I just want to give the the, the reasoning behind this from LSS is. Yeah. Decision is around um, reducing consistency of the Briar deck in support of opening the door to other aggressive decks to re-enter the metagame, which oh, I think that's something that really needs to happen. That's something we've talked about. Yeah, Good statement, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's giving, it currently gives uh, Briar decks the critical mass of lightning cards with fuse effects. It feels like it should. It feels like we should be able to fuse cards and, and constructed. Uh, attack action cards that Weave Lightning can buff, and perhaps most importantly, attack actions with unconditional go again. So I think that's where it comes down to for me is the unconditional go again and a static effect that applies across a chain. It's the exact, it's the, if you draw a line between plunder run and ball lightning, it's the static effect that goes across the turn or combat chain. And that's, that's really important. I think that's the one design aspect that I think is maybe potentially being played a little bit too uh, loose and fast, just, you know, um, and I think that's probably the issue that we've gotten into here is you have an effect that carries across and stacks with multiple of these. And yes. that that combined with the, I guess, the ability for these to be quite um, flexible cards. You know, you've got unconditional go again. Yeah, it doesn't defend, but they pitch, they attack, they sit in aggressive decks anyway. Blunder run, play from Arsenal, can be pitched, still defends for two, replaces itself. Like these are... All these things add up to just too much on one single card, I think, and that's that's kind of where ball lightning sits. And there's another piece around ball lightning um, that I think we're going to dive into probably later down the track, maybe on a time around the future. But there's there's four or five cards in this game that I think are fundamentally potentially broken. Plunder Run was one of those, and I've talked about it before. The the, the my issues with Plunder Run for just the health of the game, and I'm actually glad that Plunder Run's been banned personally. Um, I think it was probably the right decision, the right time for it to happen. It felt like it was always going to happen. Uh, there's there's three or four other cards that I think are uh, potential issues for the future of the game, and Ball Lightning can exploit some of those. So maybe it buys some time for some of those other cards. The main thing I didn't like about Ball Lightning is I thought that it was uh, a bit clunky. Um, reasoning or huh? The card or the reasoning? No, no, the the card <laughs> itself, right? Okay. The card. I felt like the card was uh, a bit clunky, um, and. I don't know. It was kind of weird, especially when we got some of those rulings. There was like, I remember, I mean, even in um, the Orlando calling alone, like I had multiple different rulings on ball lightning, <laughs> uh, which is funny. But I somewhat disagree with you, Hayden. So I hear about all those really good things you talk about ball lightning doing, but then at the same time, it doesn't block, right? Mm -hmm. Like I felt like that was enough of a downside for it to be able to do that. There is the persistent effect across the combat chain, which yes, those those sort of those the cards with those designs have been offenders, right? We see both Plunder Run um, and Ball Lightning now. I still am not a hundred percent sure. I like think that this was the cornerstone of what made uh, what made Briar unfun unfair and too good no and obviously also lexi <laughs> i don't think it is i don't think it is but it's it's in support of the so basically i wouldn't be surprised to see ball lightning become unbanned i think of all the cards we've seen banned so far ball lightning is the one that has the least fundamental issues and could be unbanned yeah. because of the like you say it doesn't defend so it has this downside to it inherent um but right now in this meta and i think what they're trying to do to re they want to swing the meta they want to make sure that briar gets hit people can play other aggressive decks and so that's that's where ball lightning comes in i think that's where this gets hit i wouldn't be surprised to see it unbanned but the way that this interacts with that deck to allow consistency of you know the go by turns the the pushing of damage the fusing 
And then also uh, with a card like Mount Heroic, which you can't go past, um, I think is, is the reason that we see Ball Lightning Band now. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, 12 months down the track, 18 months down the track, Ball Lightning becomes unbanned as the meta sort of changes and, and uh, carpool grows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think a kind of in conclusion, the Ball Lightning Band um, is surprising for me. Uh, I definitely I was surprised. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with everything you say. I mean, I think that this is like disproportionately punishing to Lexi, which is unfortunate. You know, Lightning Lexi, but it's probably uh, the the reason. So I was kind of going to wait for this for the end, but the reason why I am so okay and I guess happy about these bands is like as a player, I just think it'll be really fun because yeah. this is going to shake up the game a lot. Um, is do did these cards actually need to get banned? That's a harder thing for me to kind of reconcile with. I would say. Plunder Run, while it was such an offender and it was so popular and it was such a slot in, even at a nine of in so many decks, um, I still want to know if it was like fundamentally needed to get banned. But we let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's move on to Plunder Run, Hayden. So, what Plunder Run allowed a lot of decks to do is Plunder Run allowed classes without inherent hit triggers to have one of the most significant hit triggers in the games, which is draw a card. Uh, Flesh and Blood, or not Flesh and Blood, Legend Story talked about this in their article, is that it often put the opposing player in a situation where they felt like they'd walk with their entire hand and just see what happens, right? Um, you know, it was a consistent consistent offender in Chain, one of the most pivotal cards in that deck, and then obviously in Briar as well, and many other aggressive decks. I mean, Katsu is going to feel the banning of this as well. I mean, the ramifications go for pretty all of these bannings, right? They go, they go much farther than just... Um, Briar, what you know, what we think about when we see these bands. So, Plunder Run did have some sort of some downsides, though. It did it did require setup, right? Plunder Run in in sort of by itself, uh, you know, wasn't nearly as good as when you were able to set it up in Arsenal and kind of get that big turn um, with at the same time. Its combination with something like Spellbound Creepers was a bit interesting, right? Like we did see a very powerful interaction there. Um, and like I said, it was often played as a nine of where the sort of bonus damage effect was, um, it was good, right? It was important, but it wasn't nearly as important as being able to draw the card. Um, but again, like, I don't know, it's a tough question, right? Because you, you did really like the, the bonus damage. It's just, I'm just trying to reconcile myself into understanding kind of why this is banned. I would say in in my final point here is that Plunder Run has, in, in a recency bias way, it was a massive offender in both Monarch and Tales of Aria, and probably should have been a more prevalent card in the Crucible of War format. I mean, yeah. So I think that Plunder Run is just fundamentally not a good card for the game. Um, you talked about oh, it needs to be set up and things like that. Yeah, it does, but it's also a cycle. So, mm-hmm. you know, these you've got blues that pitch. Uh, you've got reds that you can play for power. But effectively, if you're playing a red from your arsenal, you're playing a nimbleism that replaces itself. Because when you're playing these, you're you're changing the, the way that games are played. And, and Alice has talked about this in, in sort of the reasoning for banning, is that often it becomes, I dump my hand to defend and hope that the on-hit trigger doesn't get pushed through. And, and that's what the plunder run effectively is. It's this nimbleism that replaces itself. And in, in decks that care about non-attack actions, you're just getting another point. So... You have a card that's a cycle, you have a card that defends for two, you have a card that replaces itself, and you have a card that puts on power and changes breakpoints. That's so many things that you're ticking. And then also in Rune Blades, you add on something that affects, you know, other, you know, has, I guess, additive bonuses with it being a non-attack action. So for Briar, mm-hmm. that's half an embodiment. 
for Viscerai that's making a, you know, half a, or setting up a rune chant for Chain, um, you know, that turns on Rosetta Thorn, or for all these decks turns on Rosetta Thorn. It's just too many things. And the fact that that ability goes over the turn, I think is if that, if Plunder Run said, the next attack uh, action you play this turn gets plus three, and if it hits draw a card, I think Plunder Run is, is, is a, fi a fine card and would be fine. Or if this card was uh, Majestic at Yellow Cycle, uh, would have would have been fine as well. I think the fact that this is, sorry, not a cycle, a yellow. The fact that this is a cycle across, you know, ability to play nine copies in Classic Constructed is is huge. The 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 ability to replicate this effect over so many turns, the consistency of this is an issue. And yeah, look, the biggest issue right now has been Briar and Chain. And people will say, oh, I play Katsu, and this is a big hit to my Katsu deck. Completely understand that and get that. The long term, I think, of this card being in the game was just going to get worse and worse, to be honest. I think when this yes. card was printed in Arcane Rising, this card, I had issue with this card. Uh, I felt that maybe it wasn't supported at the time. I felt in Crucible it was pretty supported. I think in Katsu decks, people should have been playing six copies and the card was very good. But as we go through and through and we get more, you know, abilities to, to go wider or to play different game plans, Spellbound Creepers, things like this, it's just too much on that card. There has too many boxes being ticked. It would have been, I mean, it... it it you could have reasonably inferred that it would have been a cornerstone in every aggressive deck um, now and in the f now and in the future that uses mm -hmm. attack action cards. Um, I think that this card was actually like a major reason, uh, major reasoning be behind the ban of this card was for fun. I think that there was a massive, uh, like fun consideration. Be on the end of a plunder run is not fun. Your opponent gets their plunder on before you. They put in arsenal. You now have to dump your hand. You still get hit. They draw another card. Maybe they have another plunder on. And do it again. It, exactly. It's not fun. It's, a cycle. <laughs> it's not fun. It's a cycle. It's, it's play none of them. It's a, it's, that blows. <laughs> it, just, it creates stale game states. Like you, It creates these really clear and obvious game states that, one, aren't fun, but also isn't really in the, the design of, I guess, how Fish and Blood is often played. And I think that's really clear from, from the developers and the designers that they don't want that to be a big cornerstone of a format of like these decks that just do so nine you're playing in about what that's 18 19 percent of your deck is plunder runs or can be classic constructed like that's a lot you can replicate this effect so many times and yeah yellows and blues have less impact but when you have combat tricks you know when you have instances uh, sorry instance and attack reactions then you're just adding things on and we're going to get more of that as the game goes so it, it wasn't going to change. It wasn't like we were going to see Plunder Run become less prevalent in aggressive go-wide decks. That 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 wasn't going to happen. Um, we were just going to see more things that could push it. So Because the effect itself is so strong, it replaces itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I we talked about it in that community uh, hot seat episode we did, I think, around episode 30. And I felt it was the card. If it was a card to be banned, it was the card to be banned. Um, it was the card, right? Like, it was, it was, it was, key, it kept being an issue, right? Like, it kept. Not just being, for Briar. No, not just for Briar. I mean, Chain, like, I mean, okay, Art of War was tilting in Chain. Like, there was, that was a really swinging card. And if you got it early, it was really important. You know, you got to, you were highly favorable to now in the game. But, I mean, Plunder Run was a major cornerstone of that deck. I mean, that, it, even like, even the deck that even the version of that deck that was more set up and more controlling and more combo i mean plunder run was still in like an absolute foundation um i th i want to talk about aiden so let's for let's just take the listeners away from opinions right or just pretend like we all are okay with it right okay what what's good about this like what does this mean for the future and why is it exciting because that's what i said it's like 
I may not agree with their bans and their reasoning and thinking that it's congruent with the the past bannings and the, the the reason why those cards have been banned. But as a player, I'm still excited because this does change the game significantly. Yeah. So yeah, I think the kind of just to to wrap it up, I guess like we probably disagree on the plunder run ban. I think we both are a bit kind of un, you know I think you disagree with the ball lightning ban. I'm unsure. I don't I, you know I I don't really get the the reasoning. I think is is to um stem further issues for certain things which is may may or may not be the right reason but i think we can both agree that what this is going to do to the format and do to the game is actually really exciting so we're going to see aggressive decks that have really struggled to be playable in the last two meta games be playable uh, i think we're going to see mid-range decks that just could not function a game plan when you had something like plunder run uh pushing effects turn after turn that allowed you to not play the game and you know yeah one or two turns where i have to like adapt my game but when i have to adapt you know every or every second turn some of these decks just weren't playable uh as a reiner player i can you know i'll, I'll get around that so i think what we're going to see is is a positive change to a format where we've gone from two formats in a row been really aggressive formats and funnily enough this format's been even more aggressive um to potential for more setup based decks more decks that interact with those setup based decks because mid-range decks can be more playable different aggressive heroes being able to play and in interesting ways katsu is like a really interesting hero right like the the combo aspect yeah. the um the katsu ability aspect that's really interesting and that's the same with like you know lightning lexi decks i think are really interesting in that regard as well and there's these different things but just they haven't been able to see play or to yep. to be explored because as soon as you go oh this okay well i can't be briar i'm just gonna leave this for now in classic constructed and that's that's not fun so this I think is it's huge for mid-range, right? Like this is mid-range has, has been struggling for a while. Yeah. In theory, of course. Right. <laughs> to my point, mid-range has been struggling. You've kind of had to be on the extreme side where you're either ultra aggressive or sometimes it feels ultra defensive. Um, there's been some exceptions to that, of course, but, uh, yeah, I think we might see a little bit more of a middle ground now, which is nice. I'm excited for that. Uh, to be honest, kind of being on the, <laughs> The very uh, polar opposite sides of aggression and um, uh, and defense was it got a little bit a little bit boring sometimes. And uh, some of the decks that I found to be more intellectually stimulating weren't very viable, right? So it could be the Reinar, um, it could be, I mean, it could Lydia, be so, Kano, like- exactly all the decks that kind of really haven't seen um, seen play. And it looks a bit innocuous, just a plunder run band, but. Um, I, I think that it paves the way for a, a lot of these uh, mid-range decks to have their time um, in the format. So cautious because we 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 talked about this with uh, with Tales of Aria, but I think the yeah. the things we discussed with Tales of Aria, we we still didn't, I guess, address some of the issues with aggressive decks and um, Rune Blades in honest, particular. <laughs> I thought that they were gonna. I thought I'm pretty. I feel like they thought that things were gonna change with Tales of Aria. To be fair, I think that LSS thought that. Tales of Aria was going to have more of an impact than it did in a different way than it did, right? We ended up just getting kind of a different flavor. Of chain <laughs> yeah, it had impact. Briar. Yeah, yeah, it had an impact. We just got a different flavor of Chain, um, and obviously Chain was still around as well. Um, I think that, you know, that ice mechanic didn't do nearly as much as we thought it would, and probably LSS thought it would, to be completely fair. But I'm, I'm equally as hesitant as you, uh, but also optimistically excited. So the, the, ice, the ice impact is true there was all time has an impact on the format in terms of how it plays into aggressive decks the problem is that 
no other aggressive decks are viable other than the this particular way of playing an aggressive deck because of all the boxes it ticks in terms of the things that it can do. So you know what? Uh, it could turn around that a plunder run. It, it isn't enough. I, I don't know. Um, something in Everfest. I think we're gonna be really careful about what happens with Everfest. But my optimism is that I had talked about my issues with Plunder Run. That's a card now that's gone. There's a few other cards that I'm a little bit worried about. We'll see what happens with the design space around them at the moment. I think they're probably sustainable, but Everfest could produce one or two cards that push that over the edge. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of overall, like I'm just excited for, I want formats to change. I want things to, I want, I was like happy when chain felt like it really started to pull back. Cool. More design space to explore, more things to work on for um, decks and things to explore. This pulling back. Cool. More things to look at into my design space opens up. I don't, I want to play these interesting decks. I want to play these different things. Um, and I want the things that feel restrictive to that to, to maybe necessarily be not, I don't want it to not be there, but I want it to be a little bit less restrictive. I want the format to maybe have a bit more of a natural balance and um, just a format that's like old time and Briar, for instance, that's not a natural balance. Like where does the other heroes play? And so, yeah, I think um, as long as we don't go the other way, as long as we don't swing the pendulum too far, I think it's, um, I think it's great. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, regardless of, uh, regardless of pretty much everything, it's probably going to feel fresh, right? With both Everfest and the banning of these, well, more of this one critical card that has remained persistent throughout sets. Uh, the format should feel very fresh in Everfest. And I think we're, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a good time. We quickly hate, we've been going long. We're going to quickly, I say quickly a lot. Yeah, we're going to touch hour. on, we're going to touch on Dustblade. Yeah, um, we got it. So we got Dustblade it. has now been banned in Blitz. So the, the T L D R on this is Dustblade sucks. But Hayden, why don't you tell us why? Uh, I mean, so in the community hot seat episode, I talked about Plunder Run. We talked about it. If it was cut to be hit, it was Plunder Run and Class Constructed. Cool. Blitz, Dustblade is banned. Good. I mean, Good. like, if you played any Blitz this season and you tried to play a deck that wanted to take a, a game to the to the sort of mid to late game against uh, Runeblades, I mean, you just couldn't, especially if they had the, the pressure. So Chain and, and Briar just felt abysmal to play against with Dustblade. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's it's good it's a good ban. I think it opens up design space for the Guardians. I think it opens up design space for some decks that want to play a second cycle of the deck, which is you know kind of rare in Blitz, but maybe less rare now um, because it'll just open up format a little bit. So yeah, I mean, good. That's kind of my that's all I really have to say about it. I'm interested to see the next skirmish season and, and what we get out of it. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, I didn't play too much Blitz with Deathblade, but I heard. I heard the complaints of my of my brethren. So, all right, Hayden. So, like, I mean, summing up kind of all of <laughs> all the bands and all the erratas. Ultimately, we're we feel positive, right? We're excited. We feel positive. I think that Flesh and Blood is going in, in an incredible direction, which it usually is. And <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot for me to not have that opinion. But like, there's a there's a lot of room to explore. So, it should be fun and ever fast. And I hope I told you I opened that pack. Ooh, it looks good it looks good so i want to do one last thing uh which is i want to give lss a grade on this uh on this ban and restricted announcement i think it's something we're going to do moving forward we're going to give we're yeah, going to give i'm never going to get another pack to open again bro in spoiler season so all things considered we have our reservations we have some things that we agree on and we think is going to be good for the health of the game and uh, i think overall we, we're glad to see change right if you were to give 
Alice are a grade on on what they've done here. All things considered, the bands they've done, the reasonings they've given, uh, what's sort of like you know they're talking about watch list wise and and um, the decision to pull forward the band restricted. Well, what would you? What grade are you okay. going to give Alice's for this? So I'm giving them a grade on this band, right? This just this yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's tough. Um, okay, I'm going to take away my my positive or negative feelings about it. I'm going to give them like a four because it's not congruent. It doesn't make any sense. Four right? out of 10. Like, yeah. Four out of 10 okay. because of living legend system doesn't make any sense to errata in my opinion, or if it does, it just kind of came out of nowhere. we got to pick one, right? Are we, are we having this sort of check and checks and balance balances system that runs itself out and, you know, um, the players and the meta determines what, uh, you know, how the game balances, what gets rotated out. Or do we have Big Brother come in and just swipe down, change the text on cards and banned cards and you know drastically change the format? I think you should pick one, right? In regards to the most recent bands, again, these are not my opinions because I've told you I'm excited and I'm happy about it, uh, ultimately. I think that its congruency is heavily off, right? Like they don't really make a lot of sense. Like Plunder Run, yeah, I can get behind that one. Ball Lightning, I, to me, maybe, maybe my, I'm just, I just not intelligent enough, right? Like I don't see it, right? Like it, it doesn't make sense in context of what else has been banned. Um, and then Dustblade probably should have never been legal in Blitz, <laughs> but it's okay. Thanks for letting us play with it. Aiden, <laughs> what about you? So I think first of all, uh, I was going to give like a, like, you know, like a ABC grade. So we're, we're already a part on that. So let's just do it. We'll just do it our own way because why not? Um, we didn't talk about this beforehand. I'm just kind of throwing this at Brendan, but yeah, look, I think overall, um i talked about each of the cards individually i do want to quickly just say about ball lightning um i think i i get the angle of approach they're coming from whether i i'm not actually sure if i completely agree with it or disagree with it but i i can get the the approach is it the is it the correct approach and reasoning don't know if i was to give them a grade overall i think i'd probably give them a b minus um i think what is your what's what's your what's your letter set how far we go is it is that between a and z uh, a b c d e f you know just just the classic school grading system so they get a pass grade from me they you know they're above a pass grade for me on this um i think the the errata i have issues with fundamentally for the game but i don't actually think the errata itself is bad right around we talked about that plunder run i agree with that's the one i make makes most sense to me it's the one i expected or wanted to see i guess to a degree Wall lightning eh. uh dust blade yes um the fact that we've had to make these bannings you know, that's kind of here or there. It has happened now. It is what it is. Um, I hope that that's a learning process and, and it's moved forward from a move forward position, um, as we talked about with seeds. And, and it's uh, the good thing, I guess, is it's not the same mistake twice, I guess, to a degree. Um, the, I guess, decision to bring this forward, I think, is an interesting one. But I think it's to allow people the time once spoiler season starts to say, okay, actually, the, this doesn't interact with us like we thought it might or, you know, just a bit less feels bad if people start to invest in things, buy things up that they want to play with and then, then can't play with because maybe the deck doesn't function how they want it to. So, yeah. I, overall, I'm going to give them a give them a B minus on this one. Interested to see what happens next, and I'm I'm glad we're going to see change, regardless. <laughs> oh, I lowball the grade, and you're like, yeah, it's all pretty now. I'm kidding. So, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we will likely be moving forward with what we planned to do this week, which is and uh, a get-to-know-your-host of Hayden Dale. So I'm going to do kind of a deep dive on Hayden Dale 
going a lot deeper than just the player, right? Um, understanding the person, um, everything that's behind that beautiful voice that comes and joins us on this weekly podcast. But I want to no longer shill, I guess, plug our YouTube channel. So we do have tons of content on the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel that is gameplay, deck techs, deck guides. I mean, deck techs and deck guides are the same thing. But I was thinking about the Welcome to Wraith draft mm. guides that Hayden is doing. Go check those out. They're coming up. Um, as well as, of course, the Twitter spaces on Friday. It's going to be awesome, guys. I think it's really going to change the space in Flesh and Blood because um, it's collaborative, right? We can all kind of hang out, talk together. It's really, really cool. Um, it's a great, great function. And finally, speaking of Twitter, Hayden is located at Fendale on Twitter, F-Y-E-N underscore Dale, and I'm located at Brendan APG. With that, I, thank you all so much for listening, and I've, we will see you in the next episode. Oh my goodness, I've got something to say. I'm going to interrupt you. Can you look at the camera? Because we're first time videoing here, just as we close out the sh- Look at the camera, just directly into the camera. I just mm-hmm. saw a comment on YouTube that say, said you look like Sid on Toy Story. See you next week. Really? <laughs> <laughs>